September 26, 2023, coming to you from the Go Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center at downtown Vancouver. If you're planning a holiday party, the Wall Center offers over 55,000 square feet of striking indoor and outdoor space. That iconic 34, 34th floor meeting and reception space offers incredible views of our beautiful city. You can contact them, sales at wallcenter.com. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grace Asset and Switches, conducting things, the show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. I will be out at Applewood's Performance Center in Langley on Sunday as we celebrate 25 years for Applewood in our community. A little bit of an auto show going on out there. Right now offering great deals at Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood, Nissan, Surrey on new Leafs and Rogues. Get the QX50 or the QX60 from Infinity. You're leasing from 3.99%. And I've got to tell you that storage space in the QX60 has been a godsend for me as I've moved all sorts of big, big cumbersome <laughs> items into my parents' new place. And... During the 25th anniversary sale, no charge maintenance packages with purchase, a chance to win $25,000. See dealer for details because it is all good. All good at Applewood. Bodog poll question What is most important for the Canucks this season? Good health, good start, improved defense, stars being stars. You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Bodog line of the day. For me, Whitecaps in Colorado tomorrow in a huge game that they got to win. You're telling me Ali Ahmed, the Canadian, is going to feature, right? I, yeah, I think he'll probably jump back into the start in 11. He's plus 575 as an anytime goal scorer. He's due for he's – he's been – Well, they're better with him than without him. Their record really. with him is yeah. excellent. Yeah, I think he's due to be on the, on the stat sheet. Yeah. On the Bodog line of the day. Also considered Raposo has played so well at plus 725. Mm-hmm. We'll see about how much he plays. As for the poll question, boy, I think you make a case for all four. I voted good health just because I don't even want to consider what this team looks like without an Elias Patterson, JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, or Thatcher Demko for a long period of time. I understand that good start probably means they're healthy, better defensively, and the stars are clicking. You know, improved defense, and we don't just mean the six defensemen who line up. Team defense, particularly penalty killing. Does goaltending uh, figure into that? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that one I gave serious consideration to as well. Stars being stars, I just discounted a little bit just because they were, with the exception of Thatcher Demko, all excellent last year, and it mattered not. That's how I read it too. And 12 that, points back. Three what do you want to down. change is sort of how I'm viewing yeah. it, mm-hmm. and uh, the good start has to be it. Yeah, so your good start. Yeah. Grady, where are you at? Got to be good start considering the last oh. two seasons. Good health was a consideration. That's my second Yeah, place. but to me the thing about start is, okay, so that gets you to November or mid-November. Yeah. You still got a lot of season yeah. left there. Yeah, you got to sustain. You can bury yourself, though, no, Well, but. See, there you go, Blake. This is how low the bar is 
these are the negative terms in which we think about the club now after a decade of despair. Yeah. You can bury yourself early. Yeah, we know. We've seen it the last two years. Even if you get a good start, though, you have to maintain over another four or five months. It's a Seinfeld skit. It's one thing to take the, the reservation. reservation. Exactly. It's the keeping of the it's reservation. The delivering yeah. that car to yeah. the customer. Write in vote for penalty kill improvement. It was better under Talkit last year. Yeah. I think they're around like 21st after he took over. But I think that's captured by defense. Yeah, if you want to look at overall team defense. Mm-hmm. Also, sure. you know what? It's just also hard to be that bad at that two years in a row. <laughs> like this, Although I, they have. Yeah, yeah. On the PK side of things. I think they bottomed out. I think they'll be better. Oh, God, please. Yeah. Please. In that I mean, last year there were different times where it was just like automatic goal. Like yeah. You just knew a goal was coming anytime a Canuck well, took a penalty. It became fascinating to see like how many goals in a row they could let in on the penalty kill. Uh, practice today at UBC. Ilya Mikheyev was back in a red jersey. We all got excited because Elias Pettersson's line was in red jerseys. He was, um, I don't even want to say he was swapping out with Nils Hoaglander on that line because he left practice early, did not participate in yeah. the line rushes. So apparently he's still supposed to be non-contact. And so the marathon, not a sprint rationale applies now to Ilya Mikheyev. About just shy of eight months out from his recovery from that knee surgery, torn ACL. So I don't think we're going to see him tomorrow in Edmonton. No. But we'll see about how he's tracking for the season opener. Interesting what Talkett and company did on both the forward trios and the defense pairs. Di Giuseppe getting run as the left winger beside JT Miller and Brock Besser on the right-hand side with Beauvillier down on a what would be a third line with Pius Suter and Connor Garland. Now, I'm not necessarily sure Di Giuseppe has top six currency Come the season? Not full-time. Not full-time, but I certainly think middle six is available to him. I mean, I think Tockett loves the way he plays. They resigned him. He drew praise from the coach at the end of last year, so I could see that being a thing. Nils Oman sliding over to the left wing with Teddy Bluger centering a fourth line with Jack Stanico, who has shown a few things here. So you, you, you start to wonder whether Nils Oman's career as an NHL winger may take hold here that he would be the fifth center for the team if they have an injury. But that's his route to a regular spot in the lineup on the wing. And then the defense was particularly interesting on a couple, three different things to note here. Cole McWard got paired with Quinn Hughes. And you want to listen to Patrick Johnson later because it sounds like it may be Hughes and company, Hughes and committee through the rest of preseason. Different guys filling in on that right side. But you and I were both struck, Blake, by the fact that Ian Cole and Philip Ronick, despite the fact that we've mixed up and experimenting with a bunch of combinations here, have stayed the same there. And we do wonder whether that's a tip of hand from talk at Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar, that they like the steady Eddie, stay-at-home defenseman Ian Cole to play with Philip Ronick. And I guess the philosophy there would be Quinn Hughes is so good, maybe it doesn't matter who plays with him on the right side as much as it does who plays the left side with Ronick. Because that allows Ronick to be a bigger offensive explorer and contributor. It's just going to be a, a nice balanced line. Like, I just love the 
the attributes of both of those guys together, and I think that might end up being the safest line. Like, uh, we'll see. We'll see what that Hughes pairing looks like ultimately. But I think it might be t- tough to find, you know, especially right if they're if he's dead set and he's admitted he's a lefty righty guy, unless otherwise proven wrong on it. You know, who are they going to find to to mind the shop on the right side without becoming a flimsy? Like you could say, oh, Hiroshi, Hiroshi's a rookie. He's not a behemoth. Um, like he's a lefty too. Yeah, I, I mean it's. It's going to be an interesting, yeah, an interesting experiment because I think it's a lot easier to mm-hmm. plug in somebody. I mean, they're more left uh, strong. It's a lot easier to find a Aronic pairing mate than it is for it is for Quinn Hughes. For Hughes. Uh, Susie with Myers, incidentally, and the third thing I noticed: Well, Annan's playing the right side today with Guillaume Brisebois on the left side, which is not a particularly um, good development for Noah Julson, who really struggled against Calgary or Jet Wu, although I think, you know, Jet Wu doesn't really have a route to a roster spot, at least not out of training camp. And and Philip Johansson is <laughs> you do wonder whether Philip Johansson is going to be any kind of a contributor on the NHL side of thing. One he needs time, some seasoning. Yeah, one time first round pick of the Minnesota Wild spent last year in in um Sweden, his native Sweden. So that's how it shook out tonight. Let me ask you this, and we put this to PJ later. Does getting your ass kicked ten nothing in the first preseason game have any effect on the lineup you send to Edmonton? Yeah, you yeah. think? Yeah, it does. You, you think talking to them and culture, habits, systems, standards, all that? It's like okay, we got our tail kicked. Now we have to make sure we don't get our tail kicked by McDavid, Dreisaitl, and those guys. Yeah, I think I think there is. I mean, I, I don't know how, just from a um, sports psychology standpoint, you wouldn't think that you really deflate the morale of the team if the first two games are ten nothing and seven one. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think. I, I mean, no one's thinking, oh, we can't make the playoffs now because of that. But I do think you shake the confidence of the team a little bit. Do you? Yeah. See, I am somebody who is loath to put much stock in preseason. Number one, because there are no stakes, and the players know that. There's no team stakes. Yeah. There's individual stakes. And so you often have players understanding and applying But that. it's the how, right? It's not the result. It has nothing to do with the loss. If you lose 4-3 mm-hmm. the next day, no one cares. No mm-hmm. one cares. If you get shellacked both times, I think you begin to doubt the... Um, the qualities that you've got inside the room. I, I think I think that becomes a thing. So it's not the result. There's no two points to lose here. It's it's the how. And you gotta protect the how, I think. Make sure if you lose, it's not by five goals or more. So we'll see what happens tomorrow in Edmonton. We'll see what kind of lineup that they dress. Now something else I want to get to, we didn't get to it yesterday. They're experimenting with changes on the power play. Now, refresh me. Last year after the Horvat trade, Beauvillier basically just went into the bumper spot and they went, all systems go. Right? At, at the outset, I think there was morphing towards the end morphing, of the season. Morphing, okay. Yeah. So Besser has been elevated back onto the unit, but they now may not go with that 1-3-1 one, one arrangement that's given them so much success over the Like, of all the things 
wrong with the Vancouver Canucks over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Power play hasn't been one of them. Miller operating on that left side, the bumper spot where, of course, Horvat was great first half of last year. Elias on the other side. Kuzmenko is the down low guy, and Quinn Hughes is the maestro at the top. The reason the bumper worked, though, was this uh, was this movement towards the the diamond formation for the, for the penalty kills, right? And that left the big gap in the middle more so than it ever had, where Bo Horvat um, was just was just tapping in goals. It was just it was unbelievable to watch. But what mm-hmm. it did mean is the one T for for Pedersen and for Miller on the other flanks was not there. And that's because they've got two guys just on top of those players at all time. Not because they're the, they're the Canucks and those two guys are there. Most teams have two guys parked there with similar skill sets to do just that. And so I think the penalty kill had a big change last year across the league. And now it's going to be the that was the serve, the return of serve, if you will, from the PKs. And now mm-hmm. the ball is back in the court of power plays to say, okay, now how do we beat this? How do wow. we change things up? And I, I mean, I wonder if teams are going to experiment, not necessarily with two defensemen, but two guys further towards the blue line now to try to change the well, dynamic. I, I was going to say, as you were starting that, if you're telling me we're getting back, and this has, this is not in a Vancouver Canucks context. No, same thing know, with me. Yeah, Phil, uh, as we know, Quinn Hughes has not exactly got the howitzer from the point. But if you're telling me the big clapper is coming back Maybe. from the blue line with defensemen who can really shoot the puck, game on. Because for me, that's an exciting play. Yeah, that's the three pointer for yeah. For that that's a play that has really been faced out. We have talked about how now power play defensemen, it's more about getting the shot through, Mm -hmm. even if it's lacking pace, that more guys now prefer the snapper or the wrister because they're looking for the tip or they're looking for the rebound. Also, it's just a quicker release, and the sticks are so good now that in the case of a Connor Bedard, you're not going to get a slapper that's much better than his wrister. And the players are faster, and of course they are bigger with longer, dare I say. Wingspan. Thank you, Blake. We were a decade ahead of the game in that. So, yeah, give me the Al McKinnis, give me the ally of Frady, give me the big hammer at the back. You got to have the right guy for that. Of though. course you do. And, and and herein lies the issue, Grady, is that I think a lot of defensemen have moved away from practicing that because they don't necessarily need it in games as much. I remember reading an analytics article about how that was being phased out because yeah. it's a low percentage play really it is it is and often a lot of the time is those scoring chances will come on the second third Mm -hmm. chance of the rebound or a deflection yeah it's a low percentage play it's hard to beat goalies clean and and it's quite right it's not even as conducive to deflections well you're not even i think now if you of what we've seen lately if you do take a slapper from the point it's not an expectation to score it's an expectation to create some chaos as grady mentioned Saw some consternation, and look, again, I put very little stock in preseason games. But I could put a little bit of stock in a player who's looking to rehabilitate personally. Which brings me to the Florida Panthers last night, (laughs) and our old friend Oliver ekman Larson, who had him a night. 21 minutes, three assists, three penalties drawn. Did he draw three penalties in his entire Canucks career? He must have been moving his feet. Two takeaways, two hits. And look, you're playing against a hodgepodge of some NHL, some AHL, some not even competition. Oh, and by the way, 
Gustav Forsling with a pair of apples, and Will Lockwood scored a goal. And an so assist. It was ex-Canuck night for the Florida Panthers. On every single night. goal scored by the Florida Panthers, there was an ex-Canuck involved. involved. And I heard Oliver ekman Larson this morning on NHL Sirius Radio with Gord Stellick and Scott Lachlan. And look, there was nothing necessarily there that I felt that I heard that was earth-shattering or anything like that. But we are talking about a proud professional. We're talking about somebody who at his best was an NHL all-star mm-hmm. and a Trey Kroner, I mean, Swedish national team guy. I could see a bounce back, and particularly if the health is there, I could see a bounce back for all of those reasons. And yet, unless Oliver ekman Larson comes all the way back to being something he was, say, four years ago, I still don't think it's going to be that regrettable a decision for the Vancouver Canucks. Proceeding with his cap hit this year was going to be very difficult to improve the team. And, of course, you get cap help in terms of what you would otherwise be paying had you kept Oliver Ekman or Larson around over the next couple of seasons. And they're going to have to rely on him a bit to start because they're missing Montour That's and Ekblad. Right. That's right. Their long playoff run last year compromised Ekblad and Montour for the start of this year. And boy, a couple of really good defensemen there. It's a little akin to when a, a team moves on from a universally acclaimed head coach. It's not that that team has decided that guy is no longer a good coach. Correct. It's just this is not tenable any longer. The mm-hmm. relationship, the... Uh, contract value, whatever it is. And and even if there's a rehabilitation of Oliver ekman Larson, and again, it's preseason, um, I think you have to just say, you know, this needed to happen regardless. And uh, I don't think there's any uh, regret that should ever come from that decision. Now, the Vancouver Canucks have signed goaltender Ty Young. He's an Alberta kid playing for the Prince George Cougars. He was a fifth-round pick, 144th overall in the 2022 NHL entry draft. For some, this raised a few eyebrows because his numbers were not exactly good last year in Prince George. Patrick Alvin saying in the release, quote, Ty has made some improvements since we drafted him last year. We were pleased to see him play meaningful games in the WHL playoffs. He has good size. Our goalie development team see a lot of potential in his game. If he continues to put in the work and follow the plan we have in place for him moving forward. So it sounds like this is an Ian Clark pet project here. A little bit of context as to why Young's numbers were as poor as they were last year at PG. It was a 389 goals against an 889 save percentage. It wasn't exactly the stoutest defensive club up there. And of course, they had a couple of forwards who were draft eligible. Uh, and pretty good scorers, particularly Riley Hyde, who finished just shy of 100 points, became a second-round pick, and some think the steal of the draft to the Minnesota Wild this past year. The other thing that needs to contextualize this is that Young, all, and we mentioned this last year when talking about Canucks prospects, uh, Young was also in a crease that was pretty loaded. Tyler Brennan, a fourth-round pick in the New Jersey Devils, was for the most part the number one goaltender last year in Prince George. He played a few more games than Young did. His numbers were, well, the goals against average was a full goal better. So a little surprising. I'm guessing that Young showed them something in Young Stars and through training camp here 
that they liked on top of the reasons that got him drafted. So another goalie in the Ian Clark pipeline. And the Vancouver Canucks are doing okay with regards to contract limits. Remember, you're only allowed 50. Ty Young makes 46, so they still have some room there. No, I mean, he's not. He's exempt because he hasn't stepped on ice yet. Oh, okay. As a pro, he doesn't get to oh, okay. all these junior players. Their their contracts don't kick in until they're onto a pro roster. Got you. My bad. Um, Technically, he almost looked like a different goalie when I saw him at Young Stars compared to last year. Yeah. Not going to bore you with all the technical stuff, but his post integration, the way he moved side to side, you could already see in a year that Ian Clark was having an effect. Okay. And and yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad. It's it's a it's a curious priority for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have given it one more year to see what they've got. The same thing with Sir Minio. I mean, not, I'm not saying these aren't prospects, but he was signed a yeah. Seattle Thunderbirds defenseman. He was the Vancouver Canuck draft pick here in this past, and uh, he'll be getting a lot draft. more opportunity with the T Birds this year because yeah. he graduated a couple guys. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was the third round pick, 89th overall. He was 31 points in 61 games last year, but as Grady notes, that was a loaded Korchinski, Seattle. Korchinski, yeah. a first round pick of the Chicago Blackhawks, was on that team uh, playing defense. Luke Prokop, who was a uh, drafted player from Nashville, on that team as well. Just, uh, Nolan Allen at one point as well, another first round pick. So so they had a, a blue line that had some dudes Last year in Seattle. Back to the goalies for a quick second. Quick oh, it's second. always back to the goalies with him, huh? Do you think now that we're likely to see a movement here with, uh, I'd say, a bit of a loaded crease, especially at the AHL level? With yeah, how it's high not they related are, to like Young's going back to PG. It's not related no, I know to Young signing, but, not, um, but yeah, yes. he's not involved okay. in that. But with yes. Sachenko, Tolopilo, Silas. Sachenko or Spencer Martin will be traded. Or claimed. Who knows when, yes. Or they will expose and And, and we do yeah. see the goalie available. shuffles before, yeah. uh, you know, finalized rosters. Yeah, well, and, and you say trade, I don't think either have any trade. Well, Elliot Elli- Elli- Freeman did kind of link Spencer Martin possibly going back to the Avs. Right. I don't think it's you're going to get <laughs> really anything back. Well, but I think you get a... Oh, I think you get a prospect that's phasing out as uh, well yes. yeah and exactly. remember when they acquired him from tampa it was for future consideration that's where the 50 contracts right. comes in is right. uh, uh, teams don't want to just take on a, a long shot goalie like this without getting rid of one of their 50 so you'd, you'd probably take one back in that regard happy birthday to henrik and daniel sedin turned 43 today blake encountered this from big head hockey a little trivia for the two of you grady i'm sure has already seen the tweet <laughs> no Points leaders in the first decade out of the lockout. So that's the 04 05 lockout. Four guys had more points in the 10 years after that lockout than Hank and Danny. Who were they? Because you need to have played right from the get go. So Crosby. Crosby is one. Mm. I'm going to say Ovechkin. Ovechkin is actually the leader at 895. Yep. Um, other two guys no longer active. I will give you that clue. Joe Thornton, very good. Blake Price, he's third. Um, and then I'm going to go first. Patrice thought, Bergeron. Wow, I was going to say Aginla, but I think he tailed off nope, too much. Neither. Patrick Marleau. Nope. Mm. I'll give you another hint. Uh, Former uh, guy won the Hart Trophy. Malkin. Taylor Hall? 
Nope. Um, nope. Datsuk. He might be the most, one of the most, after Jose Theodore, he might be the most unlikely Hart Trophy winner. Huh. Won a Stanley Cup, too. Won two Art Rosses. What? Mm-hmm. Although only one after the lockout. One prior to the lockout. Won an Art Ross after the lockout. Boy, I'm going to kill myself when I find this mm-hmm. out. Um, and he's the sort of guy who had a magnificent Hall of Fame career, but is probably overlooked. And probably overlooked in part because he was so overlooked as a young player oh, coming up. Marty St. Louis. Very good, oh, Grady Sass. Really? Marty St. Louis, fourth on that list. Uh, 60 points in the 48-game lockout season got him a, an Art Ross. Also won the Hart Memorial Trophy that season. Remember when he he was left off the Turin roster, wasn't he? Right. And mad at got mad yeah, at, Steve uh, at Steve Eisenman. When, yeah. when, when he re- really started breaking out, I believe it was o two and o three. I was covering hockey in Toronto, and Tampa came through, and a bunch of us scrummed Vinny LeCavalier, and somebody said to LeCavalier, "Yeah, tell us about St. Louis." And he's like, well, they're a pretty good hockey team, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, no, no, no. We mean your teammate. He goes, oh, you mean St. Louis. We didn't even know it was St. Louis. <laughs> because he just came out of nowhere, right? Undrafted. So, anyways. Martin happy- St. Louis. Yeah, Martin St. Louis. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Blues. BC Lions Friday, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 7 o'clock kickoff at BC Place. Leos have clinched. A playoff berth. They are looking for a home playoff game for a second year in a row. A victory against the Green Riders would go a long ways as they're in chase position in the CFL West. Dominic Rimes is going to make his return to the lineup. He has been on the six-game injured list. So another explosive weapon for Vernon Adams and that BC Lions offense. Sadly, Suk Chung is hurt. He's going to miss this game at right guard. Andrew Pearson's going to go back into the lineup. He lost his starting job to David Neville last week, but he's going right back in there as a starter this week. Uh, Lions added a couple of uh, defensive backs today, including a guy with CFL experience, Parnell Motley, played at Oklahoma, so that's big-time college experience. He's actually played a CFL game as well with Calgary. Can never have enough DBs late in the season. You're starting five, you're dressing at least eight or nine, so got to have depth there. And, of course, as we do with every BC Lions home game, and I'll be going this week, Blake, fired up about that. We're giving away not only a pair of tickets, but a food and beverage voucher and a gift card for the team store. Text hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680. The Great Clips text message inbox. If you do that, and as Grady always says, text just hashtag Lions. Don't add anything else. If you add anything else, we may miss it. Don't get creative. Exactly. Don't, don't put your name. We don't, don't need the sob story. We don't need anything like that. Just hashtag lines enough. No weird spaces you, like Blake always does when right. he sends me show notes. Weird spaces. Ellipses, you mean? I do ellipses. Your spacing needs work. More structure. Exactly. Whitecaps in Denver tomorrow to face the Colorado Rapids. The final game of this epic seven-game road trip. Now, look. Anyways, this 
game goes, you can say the Caps had a successful trip because they already got three wins in a draw. Yeah. But you want to come back better than 3-3-1, three, three and one, particularly against the worst team in the Western Conference, particularly since you've dropped two in a row, and particularly since those around you have played better footy recently and have put you in a spot where maybe you're not going to be comfortable down the stretch for a playoff position, and maybe you won't have aspirations on a home field advantage in a first round best two of three where you need to finish top four. It's the difference. What can you tell us? It's uh, the difference of the seven game road trip not killing them versus actually helping them. Like they right. would they will have gained ground on this road trip if yes. they go four, two and one, three, three and one, they're just it allowed they treaded water. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you tell us about the uh, lineup? Who's well, healthy? Who's not? Who's what's? There's going to be a few customizations, I think, for this for this match, given that it's at altitude, and I think Vanny wants to protect against uh, um, balls over the top and excessive running for his team. So I think there might be a uh, bit of a of a formation tweak, um, and uh, I think he's going to try and get. A guy like Junior Horlett into the starting yeah. eleven. Yeah, so. I think it's time. And uh, Takaoka, the goal, the goalkeeper, he's got to be better. Yep, he's, he's gotta just be got to be better here. There's been a little bit of drop off in the play at that position. He's for the most part been very good this year, but as we know, it's not very comfortable behind him. So he has to be the guy, and they're going to lean on him here. There's been some groaners, to be honest, uh, last match, but even in the last two months, there's been some groaners. Yeah. So uh, he needs to step up here. The other thing in the Caps world is tomorrow, their game is preceded by a Philadelphia FC Dallas match, and there's not a lot of East versus West left on the MLS schedule. Caps have DC United on Saturday, and that's their last game against an Eastern Conference club this year. So... In terms of scoreboard help, there's just not many more opportunities when you're going to have a lot of these mid-pack Western Conference teams playing each other. Someone's going to get three points, so they're both going to walk away with a point. So a hard route for Philadelphia tomorrow at home against FC Dallas. Dallas is the one of the few teams on the same number of games as Vancouver. Caps still have a lot of games in hand, and they'll make one up tomorrow against a lot of the field. But Dallas is one of the few teams that is on the same number of games as Vancouver, two points back with 39 points, sitting in ninth. And the final, that is the final, right? Western Conference playoffs. Yes, positions eight versus nine. Yeah. Play a uh, play in, if you will. So big time route for Philadelphia tomorrow and then take care of business against Colorado. If that is the case and the Caps get their full three points, they surge back into fourth place in the MLS West, one point ahead of Houston and Real Salt Lake, two ahead of Portland, and that is much more comfortable territory because, as we've noted, after this D.C. United match, things get really tough. The top three teams in the West are the final three games for Vancouver. So all, want, at wanna, all at home. All at home. Mostly at home. Just Seattle, on the road, yeah. right. But you want some of that cushion. Seattle Mariners lose to Houston last night, and look, the collapse is nearly complete here especially because Texas beats the Angels. The division is all but lost now. It's Seattle and Houston for wildcard purposes at this point if you're an M's fan, and you need the next two. It's just that simple. A split doesn't help you much here against Houston because then you're going in the final series of the season needing effectively a sweep. Blue Jays back at it against the Yankees at, the, uh, at home. They're home the rest of the week. And, of course, they have a little bit of a cushion there. 
in that second wildcard position. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by AG1. Drinkag1.com. But also, just drink AG1. You'll feel a lot better about yourself. Maybe you'll feel more energy. You'll also have the peace of mind. You're just taking care of your body and giving it that foundational nutrition. Check it out. Drinkag1.com slash Price to get a special offer. Uh, welcome, Matt, today on Canucks Breakout Candidates for this season. Grady and Blake are going to participate and give you theirs as well. We'll get to Patrick Johnson of the Province and Post Media. Topics including the lineup after a 10-0 shellacking. Hronik and Cole, is that a thing? We'll ask him the poll question. We'll find out what he learned at practice about McKeev. and Phil DiGiuseppe, Jack Stanika, big bodies, wall warriors, huh? Maybe uh, some mm-hmm. upward mobility for yep. them. Plus hashtags the best and worst of Twitter, which is effectively the best and worst of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits. And the weather's getting a little cooler, but we're still pretending we're thriving in the summer. That's summer heat with Workshop Spirits. Ombre margarita. Hi there, hard lemon iced tea. And hi there, our peach iced tea. will keep you feeling tropical all year long. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other. I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. So even if the Stars are stars for the Vancouver Canucks this year, they need help. We know this. We've seen it in previous seasons. Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Thatcher Demko, not enough. Bottom six forwards have been caved in in recent years. They have got to be better. And, of course, bottom two defense pairs have to do their part. So they need breakout players here. Here are my picks to step up and help the core four this year with breakout seasons. Number one, Nils Hoaglander. It's now or never, right? 22-year-old, can't be demoted to Abbotsford without passing through waivers, so needs to be an NHL player. Needs to be an NHL player out of the gate. That means better defensive detail, continuing to do that important work along the walls and the corners in the offensive zone. You know, all the stuff that made him the darling of the Canadian division season. He's capable. Number two, Connor Garland. I think he's a better player than what he's shown in two years with the Canucks, but he's also proven to be quite difficult to play with because of that unorthodox style. Enter Pew Suter. Free agent center is known for a high hockey IQ. He's likely going to spend some time with Garland on the wing. It's time for some chemistry, and I could see Garland having it with Suter. Number three, Nikita Hirose. And I know I'm drunker on Hiroshi than most, but he reminded me of Chris Tanev and Jack Rathbone in terms of the poise he showed in that NHL cameo last year. Now let's hope he's on the Tanev development path as opposed to the Rathbone one. He looked good at Young Stars. 
Was he the best Canuck in the 10 nothing route in Calgary? think so. There are minutes available on that left pair, on that third pair for a left-side defenseman. Hiroshi could well snatch them from other contenders. Number four, Vasily Putkolson. Now, granted, he's a longer shot right now, but I think what ails him is in his head. I think it's a confidence matter more than anything. It's not like he's incapable. Plus, he's a big-bodied effort player. You can see that jibing with what Rick Tockett wants to do. He's got some skill. And the Canucks had really used that profile of player for checking in the bottom six. Number five, Archer Siloffs. He's coming off the MVP performance at the World Championships. He's going to get more time to marinate in the minors here. Casey DeSmith backing up. But for me, it's not outside. It's not out of the question that Siloffs leapfrogs DeSmith at some point this year. Or if they get an injury, that he steps up and plays well. He did perform in five NHL games last year. We'll get to Grady and Blake's picks here in a second. That's a welcome ad for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels, as follows on email, live at scarcebrice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. The Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter, at Matt Sikaris, at Sikaris and Price. And the welcome ad presentation of Great Clips. 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, all proudly Canadian-owned and operated. All right, who you got? Who's breaking out for the Canucks? I've got a favorite and a dark horse for okay. you. Anthony Beauvillier. All right. Um, the, I think there's going to be a lot of malleability when it comes to the wingers on this mm-hmm. team. I considered him, but I was a little cautioned by the fact he did not immediately get the bumper spot on power play one, that they moved Besser into the power play one, and also the talk that they're going to the talk that they're going to experiment with different power play formations as opposed to that 1-3-1. Felt like he went cold at the end of last year, but in the end, his 20 points in 33 games, his 9 goals in 33 games, not that bad for the Vancouver Canucks right. at all. And I think he's almost guaranteed to play most of his minutes either with Patterson or Miller. He did score 21 year with the Islanders, but it was way back. It was his sophomore season. Uh, I think he's a 20-goal scorer this year. Okay. Um, the, the long shot, Aiden McDonough. Oh, wow. That he won't start the year, but maybe he arrives, you know, November first or something with the team on a call up and doesn't go wow. back. Grady, Dakota Joshua. There mm. is not a lot of size on the wing on this team. Talkit raved a lot about him last year. Uh, he brings physicality. He's a good four checker. And for them to be successful, they need four lines that they can roll out, and they need a little more grit, sandpaper in that bottom six. And we all know how much Talkit likes those guys, so. You know, he's playing for a contract next season, and he's still relatively young. I think he's going to take a step. I don't think he's going to be the 20-goal guy that maybe Tockett was a little ambitious about, but I could see him, you know, 12, 15 goals potentially here. Add that to my case, by the way, Beauvillier, also playing for a contract next year. Yes, of course. Harrison Price from Wall Center, presentation Applewood Auto Group, and hashtags the best and worst of Twitter.com. Brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. If you're in the market for a mortgage, you know what's at stake and feel overwhelming to make such a big decision without all the facts. Problem is, virtually impossible to find enough information that's both accurate and trustworthy. Got to decipher, apply it to your unique situation and goals. You need an expert who knows the ins and outs of the industry, puts your interests 
ahead of their own. Jason has helped thousands of happy clients secure over a half billion in residential and commercial mortgages. Find them at jason.mortgage. I'm on uh, Taylor Swift beat here. Ah, okay. So bear with me here for a few. At Joe Pompliano, Travis Kelsey had a busy 24 hours, seven catches for 69 yards and a touchdown in Kansas City's win over Chicago. Gained 300,000 social media followers. Did he really? Top five selling jersey now in the NHL with increased sales of his jersey 400%. Blake, ratings were down in the afternoon slate Sunday across the board, except for in the young female demographic, which was up 8%. As Joe points out, that's the Taylor Swift effect. Now, there are a couple of controversies swirling around T-Swizzle at TMZ. Nobody knows how Taylor Swift got from the private suite to the locker room where she was seen leaving with Travis Kelsey. Uh Uh-oh. Because there was a group of fans that just said, to hell with the game, we're standing outside that door, standing watch to get... They think she might have left inside a rolling metal popcorn cart. Yeah, I saw no. that video. Yeah. Although TS, uh, although um, TMZ also has information that no, she just, they claim she just walked out. But there's also a suspicious video of a lady moving a popcorn cart. Wow. And then there's this, Blake, again with TMZ. Native Americans want Taylor Swift to help end Kansas City Chiefs' tomahawk chop. There's a group called Not In Our Honor that pickets outside Arrowhead Stadium on game days. Spokesperson says, we remain hopeful that an outside influence like Ms. Swift could be an ally for us in moving mm. the conversation forward on why the chop is a racist act. We don't have the camera on her for every chop Sunday. But the one time the camera was on her as fans were doing the chop, she did not participate. She danced in place. Hmm. Well, I mean, they don't do that at Braves games anymore, do they? Oh, they, I think so. Do they really? Yeah. Oh, I thought we'd Florida State that. games, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, oh, okay. Uh, at Levitard Show, Dan Levitard, <laughs> quote, Mac Jones is dirty. He's a dirty player, Dan says, that even though the title of dirty player is almost never given to QB, the New England Patriots QB is deserving of the title. This is in response to, uh, in terms of the latest, mm-hmm. Mac Jones tapping Sauce Gardner yeah. in the jewels over the weekend. In the nuggets. There's plenty of video mm-hmm. that shows you that. Um, there was a there was a thing between Sauce and Mac Jones, uh, Sauce smacked his hand away instead of helping him up um, at, at one point in the game. But if you, it's the first time I've, I, I've heard about Matt yeah. Jones being a dirty player. You don't, as, <laughs> as Dan Lepater said, you don't often no. hear that about quarterbacks. I, I, I think Mac Jones may be from the Bill Lambeer school of I need every edge here. Right. You know, I'm probably not athlete enough on this field, so I need to find every single potential advantage. I saw the video. It was pretty innocuous. I, you know, it was one of those things. I think he was thinking he was going to be tapping a different body part. Like, and it was very light. It's not like it was. It's not like it was going to hurt. But got him in the jewels. Yeah. At CFL at NFL on CBS. This is a wild coincidence. Coincidence. Tua Tunga Viola, weeks one through three, the past two seasons. 
And this is kind of why I'm not yet buying Miami uh, amongst the three and O's. Three and O this year, three and O last year. Seventy-two of hundred and one through three weeks last year. Seventy-two of hundred and one through three weeks this year. Mm-hmm. Eight touchdowns to two interceptions last year through three. Eight touchdowns to two interceptions <laughs> this year through three. The exact same numbers for hmm. Tua. He's got to stay healthy. And I also noticed Troy Aikman on Monday Night Football mentioning what Miami is doing there under Coach McDaniel with motion is CFL principled. Aikman said it's a CFL style offense when watching Miami in terms of the creative style of play. And he was talking about how they're motioning players. And of course, you can't motion towards the line of scrimmage in the American game, but you can motion laterally. And that's what they're doing this year down in South Florida to try and get some separation and show some looks that NFL defenses haven't seen a lot of. So yeah, they're a fascinating team. I'll say this. Waddle and Hill are just tremendous receivers, so fast, so elusive. And the running back, running back combo they're using is pretty fun as well. So we'll see where this goes. Quarterback's got to stay healthy, but feeling really good about the Dolphins start down in South Florida and showing a uh, innovative approach to the offensive side of the ball. They're a fun team to watch. I, uh, I think people I love when Waddle does a little duck walk in the end zone. That's just perfect. <laughs> it is good. At AHB Seaborn, Adam Seaborn, the Vegas Golden Knights are going direct to consumer this NHL season. Nighttime Plus, spelled with a K, will offer 69 regular season games at 69.99 for the season or 6.99 per game remember it's a dollar a game it's right. very nice that's incredible but again for a lot of people and we've seen this with uh the blowback about mls on on apple they see that number and they go 69 dollars. that's on top of the cable bill i already have to pay right they don't adjust right they don't downgrade their cable bill and then by that they just see this as 69.99 that they previously didn't have to pay right but we We've also seen all of these regional sports networks. And they were affected by the Bally's one. Die off. And so I think a lot of these club teams are like, we're not going to go with a fly-by-night network that might not be around in a year or two. Why don't we do this ourselves? And and it's hard for a sports fan because let's say you've got three sports teams that you're a fan of and they all decide to do that. That's $200 a year that you didn't previously have to pay. You know, there there has to be an aggregator somewhere that that uh, takes all this in, and and the best example I can I can bring is like Fubo, who you know, one soccer is the thing for soccer fans north of the border. Does Canadian team and and the Canadian soccer league, mm-hmm. but if you get Fubo, one soccer's on Fubo. Yep. You know, so things like that, you know, where you can aggregate a bunch of products without having to be paying per team, mm-hmm. because this is the way it's going. The one thing, and I saw some of the headlines as well, are are not all Golden Knights games on regional television? I thought they had found a fix on that based on the problems with the uh, regional sport network that they were connected with. I thought they were supposed to get connected with someone who was going to keep the games on regional television, but I didn't see that in the story that I read on no, this. No, I, I don't know. At Yahoo CA Sports. As of now, Toronto is reportedly a frontrunner for Damian Lillard. This is a story from Mark Spears, a longtime NBA journalist. Now, there is other information that, yeah, it got hot yesterday, but Masai Ujiri walked away. The Bulls, uh, Bulls, Bucks, and 76ers are apparently also 
interested in the Portland Blazer, uh, Trailblazers superstar. Portland announced media availability for the start of their training camp yesterday and uh, pointed out that there would be no one-on-ones with any players. We're, we're sitting here wondering, is Dame even going to be there on October 2nd? Yeah. When they begin, we're also wondering if Dame Lillard will be here in Burnaby for Raptors training camp. Really good panel on the weekend on ESPN uh, featuring Woj and Zach Lowe breaking down what has held up a Damian Lillard trade to date. Woj pointed out both Giannis and Embiid can opt out next summer. So there's a lot of teams that are interested in Damian Lillard, but are looking at it going, if we commit to him and that salary, that takes us out on Giannis and Embiid, and we'd much prefer to have those two players. One of those two players. Zach Lowe points out that in any Damian Lillard trade, and this may apply to the Raptors, you have to be able to retain enough players and assets to compete for a championship in the next two years because Lillard is 33 years old. You're not exactly buying a guy for whom you've got a big runway to a championship. And then Lowe further points out, if you already have a small guard on your team, and that small guard is not going to be part of a Damian Lillard trade package, then you're pretty much committing to being a bad defensive team in the backcourt because you're just not going to have the length and defensive ability in the postseason. So there are a number of complicating factors here which have held this trade, these trade negotiations up with a number of teams, and you do wonder whether Portland is just going to have to accept a deal that they probably wouldn't have taken early in this process because there's just not a flush enough market for him. Just seeing a lot of Kawhi Leonard comparisons, but Kawhi Leonard right now is only 32. Yeah. You know, he was in his 20s when the Raptors acquired him. He And he's could, a big. He and could, he could yeah. defend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there it, was... Like, this is not the same. And at 33 for Damian Lillard, and with the free agent class possibly being a massive one in, in a year's time, mm-hmm. you, you cannot ship your entire team over to Portland to get Damian Well, Lillard. and it's further complicated by the rules surrounding trading draft picks. You cannot trade first-round picks in back-to-back years, and the Raptors have a... Uh, pick outstanding or a pick swap outstanding with San Antonio in the Jacob Hurdle deal. So it, it, it's going to be uh, a, a tough deal to construct for the Raptors, particularly because, again, they have to retain enough to be able to compete this year and next for a title. Yeah. But I, I do think uh, you're likely going to see this player on the move and one of the all time great trailblazers, of course. He has been a fixture in that town for more than a decade. And that's hashtags for today. Some price from Wall Center and a presentation. Applewood Auto Group. And if you head to the Richmond Auto Mall right now, you can take a look at a couple of different uh, different brands in the Applewood family. And there's never been a better time to do it with the 25th anniversary on right now at all the Applewood dealerships, including yes, Applewood Nissan in the Richmond Auto Mall, Applewood Mitsubishi right next door. Uh, take uh, the Mitsubishi plug-in hybrid outlander for a little test drive you might win 25 grand just for doing that uh 
but we think you'll fall in love with them too. And then you'll buy one and you'll get a $2,500 maintenance package and no extra charge. It's all coming up aces for you. Head to the Applewood Auto Group because it's all good at Applewood. Bulldog poll question. What is the mo- what is most important for the Canucks this season? Good health, good start, improved defense, or stars being stars? So you can vote at Sigerson Price on Twitter. Bulldog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bulldog line of the day for me. One with the Detroit Lions on Sunday. They've already got a win in Kansas City. So what's a win in Lambeau against the Packers? It's only Jordan Love. I'm going to lay 1.5 points on Thursday Night Football, your Bodog line of the day. Here he is from UBC, where the Vancouver Canucks find themselves practicing in advance of tomorrow's preseason game in Edmonton from the province and post media, the one and only Mr. Patrick Johnston. How you doing? Well, guys, you know, you think you find a quiet spot, and then, of course, you hear people moving ladders around. But I'm well. Ah. I'm doing good. Found myself in the Bauer Arena, Canucks on the mm-hmm. Pro Trans Arena. All feels Those, very regular and normal. Right. Those ladders designed to be moved. Um, <laughs> Ilya McKayef is back. He's yeah. in a red jersey. Elias Pettersson's in a red jersey. So it looks like Ilya McKayef was just set to be left wing on on uh, Pettersson's line, although Hoaglander was... Taking yeah. turns there, but alas, a red jersey. Means when is a red jersey not a red jersey? A red jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess that's the question. Well, What's yes, the deal? The claim, What's the, the latest? Claim, the claim we've been given is actually in a non-contact sweater. Of course, normally they wear gray for non-contact, but there we are. And uh, he did leave. Yeah, I mean, he didn't take part in the line rush kind of. He did some drills, but I, you know, I guess he. I, I was surprised to see him in full red, given that he only skated for the first time at all with these guys on Sunday. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he's on course. It's one of those ones, I think, as I noted, at the time everyone said, oh, he'll be back for training camp. But then if you actually listen to the same time in the same breath, both uh, Patrick Alvin and Dan Milstein last February, late January, said it'll be eight months. And eight months was, well, that's actually next week. So, yeah, I think he's more than likely... You know, he's. I don't think he's obviously not going to play tomorrow. Probably not play Thursday. I'd be surprised if he played Saturday. Um, but I, I feel like he's right. on course to get in the game next week. Yeah, uh, and we'll continue monitoring that. The good news, he's back yeah. at training camp and is skating yeah, and participating exactly. yeah. with the main group. Patrick, do you think a 10 nothing loss in Calgary will affect the kind of lineup they send to Edmonton tomorrow? But- well, interestingly, no uh, Vasily Podkols and no Dakota Joshua here today. Um, you know, maybe it's maintenance, but or something like that. But it does feel notable given both of them were non-factors in a very, you know, I mean, obviously undergunned but underwhelming effort from the Canucks on Sunday. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I found myself wondering. I wrote a bit about this yesterday, and there is a lot you can dig out of it. I mean, obviously, preseason's preseason. The Flames had a much better lineup, but ten nothing is still ten nothing, and there was a lot of things that didn't go well. Um, you know, there were multiple defensemen who showed poorly. Obviously, Artur Shilovs did not have a good start. Um, but, you know, the fact they couldn't generate any, really any offense. I mean, there's just the, 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 there wasn't a lot going on in any respect. Um, like I said, underwhelming lineup. But, yeah, I think we're going to see. Rick Tockett already said he wanted to get sort of three games for all his regular guys, and there's only five games left. So, you know, whether it's coincidence or not, I think that lineup we're going to see tomorrow night uh, in Edmonton will be a lot stronger. I saw a road game for the Leafs last night in Ottawa. Matthews and Marner are there. Yep. Like you yep. know, you are allowed to send guys uh, out on the road, and it does look like they're going to do that uh, once and for all. Here, I mean, yep. is it safe to say the four line rushes 
that we saw today are going to be the lines tomorrow to prevent Mike David from putting a 10 spot up on the on the Canucks? Well, I think what you're more than likely to have, you know, you'll split it. This is almost your split swag game here, right? You'll have one lineup tomorrow night. You'll have a different lineup on Thursday. You know, you'll see Pedersen in one place and you see Miller in the other place. I think that's more likely. That's just how it's always shaked out. Nothing new there. And then, you know, you got some bunch of other guys playing on Saturday and then basically everybody gets the last two games next week. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's the regular season. Boom. Um, DiGiuseppe on left wing with JT Miller. Yeah, I saw that. Brock yeah. Besser on the right. Yeah. And Beauvillier down with Suter and Garland. Do you think PDG, DiGiuseppe, has enough upward mobility? you think Tockett likes him enough that we <laughs> could see him in the top six? I mean, you love the energy. You love the effort. But it's a pr- pr- I mean, obviously, JT Miller is a good skater. But I think that's a pretty slow line. And that's not really, I mean, he's, it is the up and down. Maybe it's just simply a message to Vasily Podkolzin. This is a guy who plays the way we want you to play, but even better. Uh, that's, that was sort of my view. I mean, absolutely, he's always an option, sure. But uh, that's a guy that's going to, if he makes his team as, as the 13th forward, maybe on the fourth line. He's not, he's not a long-term solution in that spot. How about the stacks? Oh, hold on, hold on. You're talking Pud Colson as the third Sorry, forward, or I'm Di Giuseppe. Di Giuseppe, I think, is what I'm saying. You, th- yeah. you don't, you don't think Di Giuseppe's going to be be an opening night, huh? Well, I mean, if he's on, or he's on the fourth line, you know what I mean. Like it's that he's twelve, okay. thirteen guy. He's not in there as you know the guy that's on your, so, you know, on your second line. All right. <laughs> and if I'll, he is, I'll t- then, I'll then tell there's you some real questions there. I think. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll bet you a beer. I think he's beside Suter and Garland, third line opening sure. night. Okay. All right, well, you're on. that's different from what I just said, but sure. <laughs> no, I knew I understand. I understand, yeah. but I, I think I think Talkin likes him enough that he's in the sure. top nine. I guess okay. as it sure. stands now, the third line is a bit stacked with Beauvillier uh, and Suter and Garland. Right. You know that. You know, I, I think it's it's more worth your while to do that, spread out the wealth early on in the season, and sure. give a guy a try in the top six than to go all in. Don't you? Yeah, and I think I think in many ways to me that is what remains with Putt Coles, and I think he's going to get a pretty long leash here, even if it wasn't very impressive on, right. on Sunday. You know, this is a guy they need to make work, and they need to find every way to make work. And if it doesn't work, you know, then they they do obviously have big problems. But he is someone that you know, in, it, given everything, given his age, given his his apparent skill set, given his salary. He's a guy that you want on your li- in your roster on your lineup. You need him contributing, and if he doesn't, you know that that's just you know that's a that will be a problem that they'll have to figure will out. Will Hoaglander be on that same length of leash, or well, I mean, he showed so much more. You know, yeah. I mean, I think it, I don't think the leash is as long there though because of the, the sort of the quality of play that Pedersen and Kuzmenko can drive. You know, it's, can you actually? I mean, we, we, I was just watching a drill with him, and, and there were a couple of moments where I'm like, mm, I'm still not sure he sort of processes the game quickly enough. Like, there was mm. a two-way kind of tap play that Pedersen, I think, really wanted to have happen. And Hoaglander just, you know, couldn't, he, he, he just, it didn't happen, you know? And it, that's just the reality of playing with Pedersen. He's hard to play with, and he's easy to play with. You know, you have to play at a high level, and, but keep your stick on the ice, and just, if you can do it, you can do it, and if you can't, well, you're going to end up somewhere else. And I think is going to be in this lineup. I think he's already shown enough, and I think the progress that he's shown, and the way he plays, and the way he finished last year, he's going to get a look, but whether it's with Pedersen or not, I'm, I'm not totally convinced. 
So Nico's skating right line with Bluger and Oman, who's skating on the wing on the fourth line. Chances stood Nika could be there on opening night as a fourth liner. I don't know. I mean, I had written him off a little bit in training camp when you see him skating with uh, a couple of AHLers. But uh, I think there's still some inter- – I mean, obviously he shoots right. Like, that always helps. Um, Oman was no, actually not great on faceoffs last year. Teddy Bluger was brought in as a bit of a centerman to win some draws. That line has been sort of in their – Drill. I mean, the drill was a little bit trying to just make the puck, carry the puck up in the middle of the ice, but they kept rotating through. Like, no one was the obvious winger or no one was the obvious center. Um, the fact he is, has some flexibility there, I think, is an appeal. And obviously, you know, they traded for him because they liked the potential there. There was a player that Patrick Alvine, I remember when we when we interviewed him in Seattle last, last uh, October when they picked him up. Like, he was a player that he was quite clearly happy to pick up. He's a player that he finds interesting. Now, obviously, he didn't show us a whole time last season. Um, but you know, new year, fresh, fresh season, you know, you're up against it. I think he, you know, he's a guy that knows the game. He hangs around, he knows what's going on. And he's a guy that knows where he's at and that this, it's, it's very much getting to make it or break it time for him. Players have different attitudes than when they're called up midseason, right? Like, yeah. And they feel like they have the coach's eye for a sustained amount of right. time during a training camp. Right. They feel like they do have a new lease on yes. life, probably, yeah. and feel like, okay, now's my time. I see that door open to crack. I'm going to try to open it further, right? Right, exactly. That's, that's it. And then in the end, it becomes, can you do it or not? And that, that yeah. is, that's the reality of the level. And there's lots of guys that have tried, and there's lots of guys that have not been able to make it work. And now's the time for him to show he can make it work. Cole McWard paired with Quinn Hughes today. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine that's the thing when we get going for real. But Ian Cole with Philip Ronick yet again today. Yeah. And yeah. we're wondering if that's a tip of hand, that that'll be the second pair. Yeah, I mean, it's him or Susie. You know, it's, it's one or the other. It, it is an interesting one what's going to happen on Hughes's right. I, I am surprised it is as much of a question mark as it appears to be. I mean, the joke going around on the weekend in Victoria was uh, is every defenseman in camp going to get a turn with Quinn Hughes? You know, there were 20 guys to start with and we're down to seven. I know there's some guys sit down today. You know, we're down to, you know, 15 or so. Um, yeah, Cole McWard certainly has interesting long-term potential. You know, Adam Foote said to really like him a lot. Um, but he's a guy that I think needs some time in the AHL. I don't really think he's making the NHL right away. Uh, I mean, he did obviously play here last year, scored a goal, and you could see the potential. But uh, it is an interesting one to shake it out, and that is the big question that I continue to look for is how is this all going to break down? Um, You guys are going to probably more quickly eliminate themselves than win the spot, and that is not exactly the most convincing way to go at things. You know, there is this notion that Tockett brought up, I think, on Friday that it could just be a committee job, that Hughes just finds himself playing with everybody because they're just getting Hughes on the ice as much as they can. They're getting Hronik on the ice as much as they can, and they'll just run with it, which isn't certainly how we conventionally think about how hockey teams organize themselves. But, you know, there are other sports where it is like, hey, let's get these guys on the ice and everybody else can figure out the rest. And... Certainly in the early going, it feels like it's going to be like that. Maybe someone someone will emerge that makes sense on that right side. But uh, right now, it's very much a question mark for me. You've got the bodies. Why don't you just trot guys out? You do have some time now. you got a full two weeks before you really have to make the the final decision. You know, see if you can catch lightning in a bottle with somebody. I doubt it's going to be McWard, but I I don't blame him for trying. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing about Hughes, as I've said many times, is that he's not a con- he is not like anything we've seen before. He's you know, defenseman is what he stands what he, where he stands when he starts for faceoff, but then everything else is something else, right? Like he's a midfielder, he's a rover. A rover. Yeah. You know, he's playing a position that is you know, hockey is so caught up in their sort of old positions that were set out a hundred years ago and things have evolved and you know you look at other sports and they have different names you know basketball has changed all the names for all the positions soccer describes what the player does versus where he stands um hockey is a bit funny that way that we don't have a term for a guy like for like Hughes but to me that is what he's become is he's a guy that I think he's just it feels like he could just be a guy, like I said, he gets on the ice and then whoever else is on the ice is on the ice and they just have to adapt and, you know, Quinn's driving the bus. He is a guy that they want to have the puck on his stick and they want other players adjusting and they're trying to, you know, the idea of the, on the power play that we sort of saw on the weekend that, that, that they're going to rotate through all these different spots depending on what the situation is. I, I'm wondering, and we saw a little bit of a drill here where it looked like the, the forwards were really just rotating through the spot. It wasn't, I'm a center, I'm a winger, I'm a left winger, I'm a right winger. It was, I'm in this space, I'm in that space, and we're trying to push the puck in a certain way and try to keep teams off balance. And I think, you know, if that's an approach you're going for, I think it's worth trying. I just saw on Twitter, by the way, that Talkin has said he's going to play in a one-one-two-one tomorrow uh, formation. <laughs> so I think it's starting. I think it's starting. Did he take that from Vanny? <laughs> I think he might have. Well, I mean, he, Vanny plays Christmas tree, the opposite. So yeah. And while we're at it, have they changed the names of positions in basketball, or do we just play positionless basketball? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but you know what I mean. We talk about winning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but you're right. You're right. Positionless mm-hmm. basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. basketball's figured it out. It's do mm-hmm. have the skills and get it done. I mean, hockey in many ways, I think that is a future we're trending towards. Yeah. Well, just so long as we have a modern left back who can get forward. <laughs> exactly. Um, answer me the Bodog poll question. <laughs> What's most important for the Canucks this season? Good health, good start, improved defense. And I just don't mean the six defensemen. <laughs> I mean, Overall. The penalty, and penalty kill as well. Yeah, team defense. Or stars being stars, or feel free to go off the board. I think it's a good start. I mean, that covers everything. A good start means that you're, you're, you're ahead of the game, you're leading the way, you're not chasing the game, you're not putting yourself at risk of injury. It means your stars are playing well. It means you're defending well. It means your goalie's playing well. Yeah, absolutely. Good start is what they need the most. Brilliant stuff, Patrick. Thank you for this. Appreciate you finding a uh, quiet nook and cranny there at UBC. (laughs) My pleasure, guys. uh, We will catch up with you next week. Okay, take care. Carson Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Results from yesterday's Bodog poll question. Are you worried about Vasily Podkolzin's development? More than 1,600 votes on this, Blake. Yes or no? What did the people say? People said yes. Indeed. Percentage? 71. 77. And look, well, we'll we'll get to an error we made on Vasily Podkolzin in a second here, but I, I... I think oftentimes I think fans just so want to believe in the young player. But I do think we've hit the point, and these polls are not scientific, everybody, but I do believe uh, the results we got here is reflective of where the market is on Vasily Putkolson. I think a lot of people have looked at it and just say, I just don't see it. And I think a lot of people have not only 
lowered the expectations of Put Colson, but we've got a lot in the comments that are wholly writing him off. Here's Hassan. He says, extremely concerned. Sadly, I think it's time to give up any hope that he'll develop into anything of value here. Players of his profile who do figure it out, i.e. Nachushkin, almost always find that form on a new team. Brando says, not worried yet. Power forwards tend to take longer to develop. I'm starting, I'd start judging once he's 24 years old or so. That's when you'll see how he projects into his prime years. Gosh, Brando, that is his prime year, 24. I had a little late in the day uh, at this stage. It is true about power forwards developing longer, but we also know that the peak years for NHL players are now younger than what they used to be. Nichushkin is an interesting study. He (laughs) had his worst year in his fourth year. No goals in 57 games. The Mm -hmm. very next year, he's half a point per game and back to scoring 13 with the Avs and, of course, blew up to 25 goals in 21-22. Bob says, I still can't believe they didn't take Cole Caulfield with that pick. Uh, Patrick says, no, I figure the ship has sailed, sailed last year. To say he's a, quote, power forward is a stretch, too slow, not gritty. Boy, I, I mean, I think he could be gritty. I don't think he's that slow. Nabil says Vancouver needs him to hit and be at least a 50.2A Bulldog. If he busts, that's three of five top ten picks completely missed during the betting regime. Quite right. We mentioned that yesterday. You know, it was bad enough to miss on Vertanen at number six overall, Yulevi at number five overall. Top, to- top comment on YouTube is from Shrek, Shrek Swamp. He says, <laughs> still has a year or two away until the real panic starts to set in. As he's only 21, he's also married and has a kid last year, which I'm sure obviously that and his wife's pregnancy was a lot of stress for such a young man. And I'm sure he didn't get his best sleeps this summer. Like I always say with these sorts of players, it's not so much that you need the totals to be there. You need to see glimpses. Mm -hmm. And and that's what a lot of prospects will do. They haven't gained consistency yet in the National Hockey League. But you need to see every once in a while, oh yeah, that's what we're waiting for to become consistent. And Blake, I don't think I see enough flashes. 10, 15 games, however many it was, his rookie year, you saw a few of those glimpses. Totally. And so we're sitting there going, this pretends so well he's going to be so much better next year. And look, the sophomore slump, I'm not giving up on him in the least. But this is a massive year, needless to say, for Vasily Pudkolzin. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program, a couple of them here. Uh, I forget who made it, but it's actually the draft plus five year for Pudkolzin. Oh, yeah, we were talking about he's four years removed from his draft, and that's fine, but it's draft year plus five yeah. for Vasily Pudkolson. And then my mistake, the Joshua Garland tussle Saturday was in drills, not in the scrimmage, as Jeff Patterson corrected me. Blake Price's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds, who you like, what you got. I'm going to guess... Uh, strongly, the junior Hoylet is in the starting eleven for the um, Whitecaps on Wednesday, and so anytime goal scorer, I, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be on it tomorrow against Colorado. Um, plus four twenty for Hoylet to jump onto the score sheet on your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder. To subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on social. That's Twitter, Insta, 
TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.